Hello and welcome to the Dorm Room Dispute Podcast. I am Mitchell Kaminsky. We are back after, you know, we, I'm not going to lie. We, we had a little bit of a gap there, but uh, it was for journalistic purposes. I was in uh, San Francisco, saw Chris Bryant's debut with the Giants, hit a home run, completed a painful trifecta for Cubs fans, which I'm happy to dive into later. Uh, Justin Fields, his preseason debut, we were there on the scene covering it. Big J journalism, Mitch Kaminsky, actually not, not really. I mean, it was more for selfish purposes. I just like watching baseball and football. I wanted to see him play, but now, hey, I can say I was there firsthand, uh, and now I can talk about it on the podcast. Uh, we got a lot to get into. We're going to start NFL preseason. Uh, we'll go with some NBA free agents. Why your team and uh, the moves they made will not help them uh, win the championship. Um, and uh, then we'll talk a little bit uh, post MLB trade deadline reactions, kind of like how the team stand. Because we've seen all the trades now. We've seen a couple weeks where they stand, uh, who are the good teams moving forward and the winners and losers on the chicago side of things the cubs and white Sox. so all of that and more uh buckle up uh we got a good show for you today um let's start with this justin fields made his much anticipated preseason debut with the chicago bears um and if you're a bears fan i think that's basically everything you could hope for out of the first preseason game uh your rookie quarterback played well the defense looked good uh there's some things you definitely need to clean up and work on which is there's going to be a lot of tape to go over so if you're um so there's definitely things to work on you know you never want it to be like too good early on they get a little overconfident there's no no tape to look at uh so that's be the one thing that uh i I think you know some big take like their special teams was kind of horrendous so that's definitely something to clean up but the offensive line didn't look too bad Uh, as far as the quarterback play goes because that's everyone that's all people cared about like people were not tuning into this game i had a bunch of people like texting me they're watching lebron james is watching it he was tweeting about it um they're not tuning in to see andy dalton uh at noon on uh, saturday They, they wanted to see justin fields and you know, the takeaway was the offense for the Bears, it looked like the same sputtering offense as last year, to be perfectly honest with you. They had 37 yards at the first half. Like near, And they, they got some garbage time ones, but like coming into that final drive, before they kicked the field goal, the Bears had yet to get a first down, and they had 37 yards of offense. It was pretty horrendous. The time of possession was way off. It looked bad. It looked bad. And there was talks that during practice... The Bears' offensive line was getting mauled by the Dolphins. And the Dolphins got a good defense and all, but if I'm the Bears, I'm a little concerned here, offensively. Because Andy Dalton's not mobile. Not a mobile quarterback. This offensive line's not very good. The guy you just drafted to help patch up the offensive line, your second-round pick, he's got a back problem. Can't even play right now. That's concerning. So you got this patchwork offensive line, that was bad last year, and is arguably worse this year. Like, it didn't get that much better. Like, the improvements they made, they're not even on the field. So it's backups right now. A lot of backups. So they're probably going to be worse. Andy Dalton didn't look all that inspiring in his two drives. They couldn't really run the ball. He had a bunch of incompletions. I think he completed a check down. Didn't look all that great. No, I know Allen Robinson wasn't playing, uh, or neither was Montgomery, but Dalton didn't inspire a whole lot of confidence. Justin Fields is the spark plug for that offense. And look, there's going to be some growing pains, obviously. I think his first drive, he came in and he looked a little nervous. Looked a little nervous, wanted to force some things. 
the offensive line didn't do him any favors, or the offense in general. They had two false starts. That dumbass Javion Wims, or Javon Wims. I'm surprised this man is still on the team. But, you know, first he punches the guy and embarrasses us in a Fox primetime game, America's Game of the Week. He's punching people, embarrassing us, gets suspended for that. And then he comes in the playoff game and he drops a dime right in his hand. Like, this guy... <laughs> He can't catch a break with this guy. And then he's out. Justin Fields first drive. We're trying to get something going. False start. So that puts us back from like the 20, the inside our own 10. And then they get set again. Another false start. So I think it went from like a, um, I think on the play when it happened, it was like a third and six. So it was an obvious passing down. We're like, all right, we're going to see what he can do. Then all of a sudden it becomes like third and 20. So they did, did him a little bit of a disservice there. And then his uh, next drive, they also started bad field position once again, pinned inside the 20-yard line. He fumbled. Uh, went out of bounds. But after that, he kind of settled down. Once he got that two-minute offense going, it was nice to see. You know, we haven't had a quarterback in a while that you could see get out of the pocket, look, make plays. And he was smart with the football, too. He had one errant pass that I didn't like, but very early on, especially with a guy like Justin Fields, a lot of fans, hey, we want to see him air it out and see what he can do. You want to impress. He's facing a good Dolphins defense. He checked it down, he took what was given it to him, and he took his shots deep when he had to. But he, he took what the defense gave him, and I really like that about him. I think his downfield vision was incredible. There's a couple from where we were sitting in the corner, and you get a good view of the field. Um, there's a couple. You can see him out of the pocket, and it's like, yeah. The fact that he found this guy coming across here, that's some good field vision. So I, I liked I liked that aspect. Obviously, the legs, the, the dual threat. He busted off a 21-yard run. His first touchdown uh, was a rushing play. Uh, Threw a touchdown pass, too. So I liked it. Spark plug they needed. Made the defense think about him. It was marching him up and down the field. Uh, so that that's what you want to see. It's like As far as Justin Fields' debut goes, I, I don't think it gets much better than that. Um, I give him a B+. Uh, it was my letter grade for the day. And you have the fumble and the near interception his first couple drives. He docks him from an A. But overall, I thought he looked really good. I think he looked comfortable in the offense. And he looks like a quarterback. That guy looks like an NFL quarterback. And it's crazy, too, looking at him. He's a lot bigger than you'd think. He's down in the field watching him warm up beforehand. Or, like, the lower level, I guess, you should say. Big dude. Big, strong dude. Uh, so that was... He's got, he, looks like, he looks like an NFL quarterback. So I was very happy to see. But on the Bears, man, it's who starts week one. And I think... It's funny because the odds of who starts week one after that game shot up for Justin Fields' favor. Um, if you're talking to Vegas, the you know the people they asked Matt Nagy beforehand. He's like, well, you know, we really don't know right now. Uh, where it's gonna, it's truly just gonna be a spur of the moment like decision. And I think you watch that, and obviously Andy Dalton's gonna get some more reps uh, still. Uh, but it's hard not to be like, hmm, let's get him out here. He looks ready. And I understand the argument, like keep him on the bench. We don't want to hurt his development. But, like, look at all the guys that have played. And, you know, there's there's examples of guys that you sit down and it works. But there's no true formula for it because there's guys that have played their entire first season and they've been great. Off the top of my head right now, Cam Newton. Played 15 games his first year. 15, 16 games. Won an MVP, won two Super Bowl. Turned into a pretty good quarterback. Uh, Justin Herbert, last year, played 15 games. He looked really good. Matt Ryan, he played his first full rookie season. Been to a Super Bowl. He's won an MVP. He's a pretty good quarterback, I'd say. Because there's a lot of guys that have played the Josh Allen, played 11 games his rookie year. And he's like the next big thing in football. Russell Wilson. And when they when Russell Wilson got drafted, this is a perfect example. The Seahawks signed Matt Flynn to be the starter. 
But the coaches saw that Russell Wilson was a lot better, and you can't fool the players. Like, if you're a coach, you're going to lose a locker room really quick if because like, they can all see, they're watching practice, that Russell Wilson's this much better than Flynn. You have to start him. It would be irresponsible not to. And I think what you saw there was Justin Fields looks so much better than Andy Dalton. If he keeps pressing like this, then you might have to start him week one. And yeah, I would be okay with that. I, I think he should be the starter week one if he's ready. And I think he does look ready. And he's only going to get better these next couple games. So uh, excited to see that. Now, I will say the last little remark from that game um, is it, I, I feel bad for Nick Foles, man. You go... For me, here on Philadelphia, a Super Bowl MVP. You beat Tom Brady in a Super Bowl. And then you get to be the starting quarterback. You get a big payday. You get to be the starting quarterback in Jacksonville, and they stink. You get hurt early. You By the time you come back, the roster's depleted. You think they were going to be good. They're really not. You're miserable there. Your team's, like, crappy. So then you get traded to Chicago. Playoff team. The Bears. Now he's getting handed the keys to the car once again. You're going to be the starter uh, here probably after Mitch. Mitch goes down. He comes in. Everyone's like, yeah, Nick Foles, let's go. He wins the game against Tampa on the Monday night game or Thursday night game. And then, you know, he, he played like crap. And all of a sudden, he was relegated to third string on the Bears depth chart. He went from being Super Bowl MVP and a franchise quarterback, he's assuming the starter, to getting booed as he walks on the field in a preseason game in the fourth quarter. Playing with the third stringers. He's got to be looking at himself like, man, what the hell has happened to my career? This is where it's going. <laughs> he came on the field because the people wanted to see Justin Fields. And fourth quarter comes, it's finally Nick Foles' turn. Boo! <laughs> His first pass is airmailed like 15 yards out of bounds. He's booed mercilessly again. It's like, oh, God, he's playing out there with Ryan Null in the third team. Oof. He's praying that they trade him right now, which I think if you're the Bears, like, they're smart for not cutting him straight up, I think, because, number one, you keep him around, you can trade something for him. You get some assets back, because he traded, you traded for Nick Foles to begin with. So you want to, like, you know, you want to get something in return for him. You don't want to just straight up, sorry, you don't want to just straight up cut him. Uh, but if he stays there, I mean, I feel like there'd be some valuable to a guy like Justin Fields. You're talking to a Super Bowl MVP in the room. Like, Nick Foles has been around. You say what you want. He's been around the NFL. I think he knows his stuff. He can read the offense, playbook. I think that helps Justin Fields. I think you get two guys like that, it's only good for his development. So I'm fine with I'm fine with Nick Foles being on the roster. I found the Bears, though. I wouldn't cut him. Keep him to trade him. Obviously, that'd be the ideal thing. Try and trade him. Get something back for him. If you can't, though... No harm in having a good third stringer. No harm at all. That's a pretty deep quarterback room. It's the deepest quarterback room in the NFL. They're going to win a lot of preseason games with those three quarterbacks going out. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Tua, by the way, I'm a little worried if I was him because I think the Dolphins have all the ingredients there to be a winning team. Mike Gesicki's a stud. I mean, he's one of the underrated tight ends in the NFL. I think you'd probably, you could probably put him in the top five conversation, honestly. He probably is top five. Obviously, you got Darren Waller, um, Kelsey, um, and I think you got Kasiki's up there. Yeah, he. Yeah, that's probably that's a top five tight end right there. I think. And then you add that with Waddle, who I think, with his. Excuse me, with Jalen Waddle, with his speed off the edge, 
You got a really good receiver right there. Uh, they, they got some weapons. They got some weapons. Grant, they like the running game. Tua, though, a little concerning. Threw a horrible red zone interception. Didn't look all that great. Yeah, I think he throws five. And I think last year you could kind of see it, too. That's why they had to go to Fitzpatrick so much. He's always getting bailed out by Ryan Fitzpatrick. Well, Ryan Fitzpatrick's not there anymore. So, on the Dolphins, I think you, you better figure out if you have your franchise guy really quick because you have all the people. That defense is legit. Brian Flores, great head coach. But Tua, I don't know if he's the answer. I don't know if he's the answer from what we saw last year. There's some shaky moments. Had to get bailed out a lot. By Ryan Fitzpatrick, he struggles to push the ball downfield. So I'm a Dolphins fan, a little, a little concerned about the quarterback situation there. A little bit concerned. But they do have Jacoby Brissett coming off the bench. And I am a big Jacoby Brissett guy. So they do have that going for him. Um, moving on, rest of the preseason, Trey Lance also looked good. You want to talk about a debut? How about throwing an 80-yard touchdown pass for your debut? That looked pretty good. Trevor Lawrence, not great. Completed nine passes. What are you going to do, though? It is the preseason, so I don't want to overreact too much. And as great as Justin Fields looked, because honestly, I think out of all the rookie quarterbacks, and I'm, I'm not just saying this to be like, you know, Homer Bears fan, but I think Justin Fields looked the best out of all the rookie quarterbacks week one in the preseason. But it's week one of the preseason, so it doesn't really matter. Because Mitch Trubisky, if you remember, his first preseason game looked like a stud. Threw a touchdown pass to Julio Cruz. Uh, he was good. Or Julio Cruz? Yeah, Julio Cruz, yeah. I almost said Nelson Cruz from the Twins. Bomba Squad. No, not Nelson Cruz. Julio Cruz. Uh, but yeah, threw a touchdown pass. Looked good. He was mobile too. And look how that career turned out. So you want an interesting television though. Appointment television. Then you don't say this much in the preseason. Bears, Bills. Next week. Trubisky coming back to Soldier Field. Does he get booed? Do they cheer him? He was trashing the organization. Does he stick it to his former team? He's got his replacement in Justin Fields that's going to be going that looks mighty good. Uh, that's going to be, that should be a fun one. I'm excited to see how that turns out. Uh, and Zach Wilson, man, I don't know if Zach Wilson, I don't know if I'm sold on Zach Wilson. I think the Jets made the mistake, and I said this way and it happened, and I stand by it. I think they made a mistake moving on from Sam Darnold. You look at him, and he just looks small. He doesn't look like, I don't know, I, I think they made, I think they might have made a mistake there. Now that is just me. Uh, so enough of that. We'll move on. NBA. Oh, the NBA news. The Chicago Bulls. They're exciting again. They are back, baby. The Caruso. The bald mamba. The white mamba. Whatever you want to call him. LeBron's best friend in LA. A guy he trusted on the fourth quarter. People called him a UPS man. They were confusing him with delivery drivers. And all he did was go out and show out he's an NBA champion. Alex Caruso, I know obviously that's the big move everyone in Chicago is excited about. I'm kidding, of course. But actually, I am excited about that. So we'll start with the Bulls. Uh, they made three huge moves. Number one, sign and trade for Lavar or Lonzo Ball. Uh, he agreed to a deal with the Bulls. Got a little tampering allegation there, too, because they announced it 30 seconds after the deadline. It's like, Jesus Christ, guys. And I know Arturis is smart and all, but you couldn't have waited five minutes. Like, it doesn't sound suspicious at all, like 30 seconds after the deadline. Oh, we're announcing a deal. And now I know everyone tampers. Tampering, the tampering thing's so stupid. It's like every team does it. It's dumb. Like, we know they're talking beforehand. What are you going to do? And they're giving out fines. I think they're going to take away a second round pick from the Bulls. That's dumb. I hate that rule. But, like, if you're the Bulls, come on, you got to be a little smarter. But they open with that. And is Lonzo, I, well, this is why I think this move's a great fit for the Bulls. And I don't think Lonzo's that great of a player. I think he's an average NBA guy. 
Uh, I think, you know, there's you know, there's better point guards out there. But here's what I do like about Lonzo as the point guard. He's a pass-first player, number one. Levine's a scorer. That's what we needed. But Levine couldn't be carrying the ball up the court. And I think Kobe White, as much as I love Kobe White, Kobe White's one of my favorite players in the Bulls. He's better uh, for a six-man off the bench kind of spark plug scoring role, like a Lou Williams sort of thing. Because he also needs the ball in his hands. Where Lonzo gets it out quick in transition, with works with how Levine plays, because he flies up the court. You got Lonzo lobbing it to him. Uh, he can set up guys. Um, so I like that. Lonzo Ball's a pass for point guard. He's a true point guard. He knows how to play the position. So that'll fit very well with the offense. Number two, he plays legit defense. He does play, say what you want about his game. He does play defense. Uh, so I, I love that about him as well. So that's a, that's a good move by the Bulls. Caruso, another guy. Depth. Played in big games. Experience. They might have overpaid for him too. I think they did a little bit. That's another good move. You have a guy coming off the bench that can help run the second unit with him and Kobe. That's a pretty good second unit. You got those two as your guards. So I like that. I like that a lot as well. Um, third, they get an all-star. DeMar DeRozan. Now this one, and I like DeMar as a player. DeMar DeRozan, excellent player. Underrated player, you might add. I think he got screwed out of an all-star game last year. So it's exciting because it looks good on paper with the Bulls. I don't know if I like the fit, though. And this is where I pumped the brakes with the Chicago Bulls here because that fits a little puzzling. I think they gave up one. They gave up a lot. Thad Young was a glue guy on that team. I like to myself some Thadjik Johnson. Now, DeMar DeRozan, much better player than Thaddeus Young. But Thaddeus Young fit with the team. DeMar DeRozan, with his style of play, I don't know if it fits. Number one, he needs the ball a lot. Like, because how he gets in position, you know, he's working in the post, dribble, little mid-range game. He needs the ball. He's not going to have the ball. Zach Levine's going to have the ball. So how do you set him up? Because he also got Vooch in the paint. Because though I think the way that you want to use him off the pick and roll, like his least efficient, would be he's a lot of catch and shoot. He's not that good of a shooter to do with catch and shoot. So if that's how they're going to use him, which I'm worried about, they did a lot with Larry Markkinen like that, that's going to be a problem. Because DeRozan is not a catch and shoot guy. Very average three-point shooter. And he can act on the mid-range, but like I feel like he needs the ball to get in rhythm. Like the catch and shoot's not his game. So that's a little puzzling. Especially if you're putting him in the power forward. And you got Vooch at your center. I'm confused as how it's gonna mix with that. Because Vooch and Levine, I think, can get a good pick and pick and roll game going. Uh with the DeMar, I, that's gonna be tougher. So uh, I don't know. We'll see how that fit goes. But on paper, that looks good. On paper, it's a good move. It's cool. You get another all-star in DeMar DeRozan. That's a caliber player right there. That's a, that's a very good player. He can help you win some games. They better figure out something with that offense, though. Billy Donovan's going to have to get in the lab and uh, cook up something because that's I don't see the fit, and that's where I would pump the brakes on that team being serious contenders. Now, I think they have the – that looks like, to me, that's like a 4 or 5 seed uh, in the East. That's a 4 or 5 seed. Second round at least. Maybe if everything goes right, they figure it out. They got the depth to make the conference finals, which is how the conference looks right now. But I'm going, they're about a four seed right now and a second round exit. But it's a big jump from where they were. Big jump. Uh, and Io, the guy they drafted, Samu, looks great. Like that's The fact that he fell that far is shocking to me. I think that is a first round talent that they snagged in the second round. He looks good in the summer league. Uh, him and Patrick Williams. That's another guy, too. You got Patrick Williams, who will probably start with a... Ooh, mercy. Mercy. That's going to be a scary team. That'll be a scary team. Do they beat the Bucks? 
Probably not, but that'll be scary. Let's do rapid fire around the NBA. Now, the other big free agency moves, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers. And here's why they're not going to win the NBA championship, because we're doing this. Uh, the Bulls hesitating them is the fit. Now, with the Lakers, old, old. If Anthony Davis, who can never get to a full season healthy, he showed this season very out of shape. He can't get through the season healthy. LeBron's coming off major injuries. He's not getting any younger. Russell Wilson, or Ru Russell Wilson, Russell Westbrook, also very injury prone. Russell Westbrook likes to have the ball in his hands. Not a great shooter. LeBron likes to surround himself with shooters. Not a shooter. I think Schroeder was a much better fit with that offense, as much as people ragged on him. And Russell Westbrook is an excellent player. He's still got a lot of game left. I think early on in this year, they can help him win a lot of games. But come playoff time when they get worn down, you're asking a lot from three guys who have been injury-prone these past couple years and a very old LeBron James. And then on top of that, you had Carmelo Anthony. Like, good luck, man. They've got no youth there. I don't think many of those guys besides Westbrook played defense. LeBron's kind of been taking defensive possessions off, uh, so that's a little concerning for me. Uh, I don't see, I don't see the fit there. I think they—that's tough. And you know what fans are gonna say? This is what fans are gonna say later. And this is what also is gonna piss me off because they're like, "Well, look at his roster, man. Look how old these guys are. You gotta give LeBron a pass." So it's like, "Well, he picked the roster here. He was the one that wanted these guys. He, he picked the roster. He put this thing together." So, I mean, you gotta wear the blame. If it works out, then he looks like a genius. Great. But, uh, yeah, this might be a super team in 2013 right now, man. I don't know. I don't know. And I'm in the majority on it. And I think Westbrook has a lot left in the tank still because you saw what he did with the Wizards, and he was excellent. And for that matter, I think LeBron has a lot left in the tank too, and now I think he's a little bit motivated. But it's, eh, I don't know. I don't know if I trust Anthony Davis to stay healthy for a full season. Because if Anthony Davis goes down, I think it's the same team as last year, maybe even slightly worse because they're that much older. So, we shall see. Other big deals going down the list. Dennis Schroeder, speaking to him, he goes to the Celtics. Have fun there. They're not winning anything. I don't think that's that big of an upgrade for them. Uh, Norman Powell to the Trailblazers. Woo! That'll keep Dame Lillard in Portland. Not. Um... Let's see. Kelly Obrey to the Hornets. That's I like that move. Kelly Obrey Jr., that's pretty good. Reggie Jackson, back with the Clippers. Agrees with the deal with the Clippers. That's good because they needed him back. I like that. Um, Mike Conley back with the Jazz. Another good move. Kyle Lowry to the Heat. They're going all in down in Miami. But I think with the Miami Heat's problem is they're seriously overestimating the capabilities of Jimmy Butler. I think Jimmy Butler that one year in the bubble, that was an anomaly. That was one of the worst final teams to make the finals in recent memory, that Heat team. They just got on a hot streak. Everything was right for them because it was in the bubble. Weird circumstances. No home crowd. It worked out well for them. But I don't really like that roster. I think Kyle Lowry would be a nice addition piece to put you over the top if Jimmy Butler wasn't your best player. Jimmy Butler has to be like the second best player on that team. Second, or like a 1A. 1A. If you had two chambers of Jimmy Butler's caliber, then yeah, I'd say you're a championship team. But Bam Adebayo, I think, is just a B-plus caliber player. Uh, Jimmy plays hard, plays good defense. Love Jimmy, former Chicago Bull. Uh, but he's not hes not a guy that's carrying your team to the promised land. He's just not that guy. You're, he's not that guy, pal. Doesn't score well enough. He doesn't shoot well enough, and I don't think there's enough help around him. Too many white guys. <laughs> 
<laughs> but Kyle Raleigh's a nice upgrade. I think they'll make some noise. They're a much improved team. That's not a finals contender, though. Don't like that. Kawhi Leonard back with the Clippers. Smart. Why wouldn't you? I was hearing reports that he was going to leave. Where the hell is he going to go? Like, honestly. He just left so he could go to L.A. and be closer to home. Like, he's going to leave. There's a team that went to the... They were in the conference finals without him. They were a couple of games away from the NBA finals. Uh, so, I think that's a good team to play hard. You got Reggie Jackson back. Like the Clippers. Glad they signed Kawhi. Or, I don't like the Clippers, but I like the roster. Smart for them. Kawhi was smart to stay and re-sign there. And then, uh, Chris Paul returning to the Suns. I hope they didn't overpay. And I said this when they lost, or when they were about to lose. You, you caught lightning in the bottle once. It's kind of like with the Heat, and I think they'll be a good team next year, but I don't think that's going to be another finals team unless he's drastically improved. So I would make some room to sign another guy because you caught a lot of breaks. Anthony Davis doesn't get hurt in that series. I don't think they make it out of the first round. But he did. They made the finals. It happened. But uh, and I like Chris Paul, too. I hope they don't overpay, though, because I think it'll limit, uh, limit their ability going down the road but uh yeah there are a lot of interesting things to monitor i think uh laurie marketing it'll be interesting to see where he goes um he's a restricted free agent he wants out of chicago the bulls really don't have a spot for him anyway i think he would be cool if he's off the bench but like i don't see it happening there's really nowhere to put him so what are you gonna do um mlb let's get into this and i want to start i think the big news surrounding the, the the trade deadline actually was revolving around the chicago cubs because they made a lot of moves. Trade Anthony Rizzo to the New York Yankees, which is weird, by the way. Rizzo looks so weird in a Yankees uniform. And now he's got COVID, uh, so he's not even playing. But uh, he looks bizarre in a Yankees uniform. Don't really like that. Javi Baez gets traded to the Mets. Uh, he had a home run his first game, too. Followed that up 0 for 5 with the 5 strikeouts. So, you know, you get the real Javi Baez experience there. But, uh, you know, what are you going to do? But uh, I think, you know, he pulled it off. Him and Lindor, that's a pretty exciting infield right there. Uh, he, yeah, Javi's a nice spark plug to that offense. It really needs some life. Uh, and then, obviously, Chris Bryant to the Giants, which is the most significant move, in my opinion. The Giants are the best team in baseball no one's really talking about. Because they literally are the best team in baseball. They have the best record. But everyone's always assumed they talk you hear about the juggernaut Padres and the or the, the the Dodgers. No, this Giants team's legit. That lineup, and they have some injuries right now. But even when we saw him play, when he had it, you got Chris Bryant there. You got Mike Yastrzemski, who I really like. Brandon Crawford having a career year. Buster Posey was a, just a that's a professional hitter right there. He just knows how to work the counts. He's a great, he can hit basically any spot of the field, all, all different sides. Uh, uses the entire field. Great defensive catcher. Buster Posey's a stud. He's having a career year, kind of. He, after the injury, I didn't think he returned back to this form pre-injury. Uh, he has. Uh, then Brandon Belt just launching home runs. Uh, he's been excellent. Chris Bryant, too, in that lineup. I mean, oosh. I wouldn't want to face this team. They're pretty deep. And the starting pitching's been good for them. What concerns me with them is the bullpen a little bit. The bullpen's not great. So that's what's going to hinder them in October. But lineup-wise, that's a deep roster, man. 
That's a deep roster. Uh, and Chris Bryant looks very good in the uh, orange. I think he looks better in the Giants uniform than he did in the Cubs uniform. That's just me being a little biased. But that's the team I think they were the bit. That's, that's team post-deadline. They're a big winner because adding Bryant to that lineup, that's a plus for them, obviously. Um, to a team that really deserved to get that, like, Joe. Because I think if you're the Giants general manager heading into the season, you're not expecting to buy. I don't think they even expect to be in first place. But everything's clicking. I thought it was going to be a sham early on, and they'd kind of fade like the uh, Mariners a couple years ago in 2019 after like 40 games. No, they've stuck right with it. They've almost increased their lead. They got like a four-game lead. So, and they come back too, resilient. Most comeback wins in the MLB this year, or the highest winning percentage of comebacks. So, uh, yeah, that's, you get a lot of things to like there in San Francisco. Um, some other moves, the Dodgers, obviously, they replaced one Cy Young candidate with another, or winner with another, Trevor Bauer, out. So, oh, okay, let's just go ahead, Max Scherzer. <laughs> he must be nice. Must be nice. Postseason, that'll be interesting to see, especially if they play the, the uh, San Francisco Giants. Well, they might even have a chance to catch them, too. But, uh, so obviously, we're talking about the Cubs a little bit. So they ship their teams off. They play the White Sox uh, on national television. It's kind of like the AAA Cubs. They traded also Ryan Tapera, Craig Kimbrell. Two good additions for the White Sox. Cesar Hernandez, another guy they added who I have loved. I think that was when he we traded for him, not that excited. Watching him play, though, switch hitter, hits for power, excellent fielder. That was a great pickup by Rick Hunt. That was the best move they made. Kimbrell move, got all the noise. Cesar Hernandez, that's going to be a guy that helps him in October win a lot of games, and he's already helping him. He's paying dividends. He adds a lot of pop to that lineup. I will say this, though. Part of it's a little biased because I was just at the Yankees game the other day. Yankees-White Sox with my girlfriend. It's a tie game. 3-3. Three to three. Excellent game. Really intense, like, playoff atmosphere sort of thing. Got a sellout crowd, you know, and I'm trying to, like, explain because all my White Sox uh, BS to her and you know, half listening. But they bring in Craig Kimball in the eighth. It's like, oh, this guy's really good. He does this funny arm thing. He doesn't give up many runs. Like, look at his, like, ERA, like those numbers that are low. That means he's really good. Hyping this guy up. He's got the flow. He's doing the arm thing, looking like a badass out there. I'm like, all right, dirty Craig, let's go. I'm like, we're going to win this thing. He's good. He's locking it down. We're getting this to the bottom of the eighth. What does he do? He gives up a piss missile to Aaron Judge. He thinks it's a good idea. Let's just let's let's groove one down the middle at 95 mile an hour. It's one of the best home run hitters in baseball, and Judge made him pay for that. So uh, part of this is biased, a little bit biased. But I think the Cubs actually won that trade, the, the Craig Kimball trade. And Craig Kimball might help the White Sox very well win games in October because you need a good bullpen. That was a problem. I understand why the White Sox did it. But they traded Nick Madrigal and Cody Hoyer. Now, Cody Hoyer was having a bad year. They didn't really have time to experiment with him. But there's a lot of talent there. And Nick Madrigal wasn't going to help him. They just added another second baseman. They're like, we have a window. Let's go for it. So I can appreciate that from Rick Hunt. I understand why I did it. I can appreciate why I did it. And if Craig Kimbrough helps the White Sox win a World Series, it's going to be worth it. Just like the Cubs with the role as Chapman. Did they win that trade? Probably not. But they got what they wanted out of it because he helped them win a World Series. So totally worth it. Worth giving up all those prospects. But here's what I'm a little concerned here. I think the Cubs did well because, number one, Cody Hoyer. Let's start with him. His rookie year last year, he was good. Very good. He already in the ones. He's got stuff. Tall, lanky right-hander. Throws hard. Pretty imposing on the mound because with that stride he has, the pitches look like they're coming in faster than they are. He's having some problems, but since he's been with the Cubs, he's had five, I think... 
five or six scoreless relief appearances. He's only given up a, a runs in like one of his appearances so far with the Cubs. So he's been pretty good with them. Using him more in late leverage roles. So the guy's got stuff. I think he's good. He's very young. He could turn into a bit good back end of the bullpen arm. And all you need to know is these White Sox, when they were interviewing about him, like they're being asked about him, they had nothing but good things to say, <laughs> which was surprising. I uh, like Liam Hendricks was like, yeah, it was a tough one to lose. He's a great piece of the bullpen, good chemistry guy. Lance Lynn had other nice things to say about him. He's kind of like the leader of the pitching staff in general. The White Sox had very high praise for the uh, Cody Hoyer. See, the Cubs got a good one with him. And Nick Madrigal was one of the... I don't understand. Everyone was always trashing Nick Madrigal. I thought the guy's a good player. He has a skill set. They're like, oh, it's easily replaceable. It's really not. What he does with the bat, putting the ball in play, especially in today's game, no one else does it like him. He does not strike out, number one. He's like a 3% strikeout rate. The MLB average is around like 25. His is three. Well below the average. Uh, he puts balls in play, uh, especially with two strikes. With two strikes, his balls put in play rate is higher than anyone in the MLB. So he doesn't strike out a lot. He'll move the runners over. He was hitting about 300 this year, by the way. And uh, last year, if you throw in those numbers too, his average goes up to around like 314. So that's about one major league season hitting 314. If you combine the, these years, this year's games with last year's, that's pretty good. It's, uh, and he's still young. Like, a lot of people, oh, he can't base run. His fielding's not good. I mean, he's a good fielder in college. I'm not too worried about the fielding. A couple uncharacteristic errors, but, like, he's athletic enough. Or you're going to get a good fielder, a guy you can put really anywhere in the lineup. He fits anywhere. He can lead off because he gets on base. He can clean up the bottom of the order. But you're getting production with him. So that's a good player, and he's going to be a good player for years to come. It's the reason he was a first-round pick. The Cubs did very well in that trade, especially because Craig Kimbrell was not helping them. Like, you have a closer. Like, the closer's like the icing on the cake. You get the good closer when you're ready to win playoff baseball games. That's when you have a good closer. That's when you need a good closer. They weren't going to win anything this year. They weren't going to be in competitive next year. So they didn't need him. There was no reason to hang on to him for these next two years. And the haul they got for him, I think they got They did very well for themselves. Very well. Now, if I'm the White Sox, and I was the White Sox fan, I'm a little concerned down the road, I think that trade is going to hurt. Because we're going to be watching these guys on the north side wearing a Cubs uniform. Not to the extent of an Eloy Jimenez. Like, he's not going to be that good. Uh, like Eli Mez might be one of the best hitters in baseball in a couple years, but uh, it, that's going to be tough to watch. So you Cubs fans, keep your head up. You got two good ones in Nick Madrigal and them. And Dirty Craig has kind of been terrible for us. It's funny because he gives up the home run, so then Liam Hendricks comes into the game. So I already looked like an ass. So I'm telling my girlfriend, I'm like, oh, this guy's really good too. He's this Australian. He swears all the time. He's got good stuff. He was leading the league in saves. He's like, and this is an extra innings. So I'm like, all right, I, I, I got a good feeling about this. Now, mind you, keep in mind, in the back of my head, I'm like, well, he did just give up that home run to the Yankees in that Field of Dreams game that blew the game. But I'm like, but he'll probably be coming out pissed off. What are the odds he does it again? And sure enough, two-run shot to Joey Gallo and gives up three runs. It's like, what the hell? So those two guys made me look like an ass who I liked up to that point, and now it makes it look like I don't know what I'm talking about because the two guys I was hyping up, telling them they were good, they both gave up home runs. He's like, I thought you said they were good. I'm like, yeah, well, I did too. So that was... Yeah, thanks a lot, Craig Kimbrell and Liam Hendricks. But they'll figure it out. That, that's going to be good back into the bullpen um, as well. Uh, let's see, any final things around the sports world? The Olympics wrapped up. USA men's basketball wins. Woo! I mean, yeah, we knew they would. France is catching up to them, though. France is catching up to them. France is a good team. Um, but, yeah, I think that just about does it.
getting a brief catch up uh, on the, what we missed. I know it was a lot. There's a lot to go over, but uh, yeah, you know what are you what going to do? So try to catch you up the best we can. Oh, the Chicago Blackhawks! Oh, let me do this really quick too, because a lot of these Chicago teams, man, I tell you. Uh, it's an exciting time of year. You know, you got the Bears, the Justin Fields. Uh, he looks good. The Bulls adding people. The White Sox adding people. They're in first place. I mean, unless you're the Cubs fan right now, everything's looking up for you. But you guys just got Nick Magical, like I said. So maybe things are looking up. But And the Blackhawks. You know, so you had some goalie problems last year, some defense problems. What do you do? They go out and trade for Seth Jones, excellent defenseman. I think that was a great ad, especially because he lost Duncan Keith. But Duncan Keith is losing a step. He's not the same player he was. So Seth Jones. Great addition to the back line. He's going to be on the first line, most likely. And then Marc-Andre Fleury. You get the Stanley Cup champion. You trade for him. Get him between the pipes. Him with uh, Lankinen. Uh, that's a pretty good one-two goalie tandem. I like Lankinen, but Lankinen was not a starting goalie. I think he was a little overworked last year because uh, they had to play him. He was the only guy that was like producing for him. So you get him and Lankinen, that's two pretty good guys. You're going to get Jonathan Taze back. Patrick Kane, who was playing at an MVP level. Uh, here come the Hawks, baby. Let's go. Giddy up. I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see him. That should be fun. Uh, congratulations to all the people that got inducted to the Hall of Fame. Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson. Um, there's a lot. Troy Polamalu. I could go on. I don't. I feel like I'm going to forget people. People are going to be upset. The Iceman, co former coach of the Raiders. Uh, yeah, good class this year, 2021. 20, congratulations to those guys. All right, that is all we got for you. We are just about out of time. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day.